Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Uh, I am obviously happy to be here with you today. If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll notice that we have a new setup. I'm pretty excited about that. So if there's any glitches, any bugs, let me know. And I will be happy to uh, address those as we learn this new system. I really, really like this new system so far. And uh, I want to uh, also remind you that we have our Texas event coming up. And this is going to be an amazing event. This is an event where we are going to be uh, having gun training, self-defense training, and and that's a Saturday and a Sunday. And then the Friday before, a Texas-style barbecue that is going to be matched up with a course that I'm teaching, my husband calls the most seditious class (laughs) that I teach. And you don't have to go to the gun training if you want to just come to the Friday training, uh, the class and the barbecue, we would love to have you. Now, this is going to be just simply advanced purchase only. So remember, you have to go to chrisannhall.com and you've got to get your ticket for the Friday night event for our in defense of training Texas barbecue and our class, my most seditious class on America disarmed. And so uh, chrisannhall.com is where you go. As you can see, we have the little uh, logo right here. So it's a three day event. You can attend Friday, you can attend Saturday, you can attend Friday, Saturday, you can attend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's, uh, it's just going to be something amazing and you don't want to miss this. By the way, just as a reminder, I've mentioned this before, but I, f- I haven't lately. Uh, everyone who is registered to uh, take the, uh, who attends, let me put it this way, everybody who attends the gun training Saturday and Sunday or Saturday uh, as an individual day will be eligible for a drawing to receive six months free membership to Liberty First University. That is uh, over uh, almost a $200 value in and of itself. So we're looking forward to this event. And man, our seats are filling up. So please don't wait any longer. We only have a few slots left for the Saturday, Sunday gun training, but we have more space for the Texas style barbecue. So we're hoping that uh, we can see you guys. Like I said, we got families registered from Florida. 
So uh, this is not just simply exclusively a Texas event. So let your friends, your family members know. Maybe you can't attend, but maybe they can. Go to chrisannhall.com. Click on the banner <laughs> that looks like that, and it will take you to the website. i got to get oriented here. Uh, when I say it looks like that, that's our YouTube version. So I'm, I'm talking to you guys. Also on the YouTube version, we have our ticker at the bottom where you can see the website, chrisannhall.com. Don't forget to subscribe and also uh, hit the bell so that you get our notices every time we put up a new video. This is our Saturday edition, so we have two hours with you, or two seg uh, two show blocks for those of you who are listening in podcast it's only one hour those of you who are listening on terrestrial stations it is two hours and remember we have our new terrestrial station in miami florida and i'm so excited about bringing their audience on board with us yay uh you know insanity can we just mention that the insanity is probably going to really kick into gear uh, now that we have a um, a split in the House, in the Senate, as far as the majority is concerned. Now, I'm a big fan of of political splits in the houses. I, I think there has to be that kind of if we're going to if we're going to operate with a a duopoly where we're stuck with two parties and then the sprinkling of the independents or the libertarians in there. I am an a, a I'm a, I am a fan of having split power in the houses. And I know that's going to sound confusing to some people and I know that's going to sound uh it's going to go contrary to the way lots of people think, but here's my rationale. No party should go unopposed in any activity that they're engaging in. And if we have a, a majority, obviously we had a majority in the House and the Senate, and we also had one party holding the office of the president as well. And, you know, all, things got pushed through without people noticing because we have this, this party tribalistic ideology. But when you have a split... And I'm going to say, look, things got pushed through when there was a Republican House, a Republican Senate with a Republican president that would have probably made many Republicans very angry had they known what was going on. Let's just be clear. The Republican Party is not conservative as a whole. They are not constitutional as a whole. And so we have these things that slip through on the party line. And because of our tribalistic nature and instincts, these things get pushed through because there's no opposition. And so when you have an opposition, so you have a House and the Senate split, that gives us more opportunity to know what is actually going on. Because then with that opposition, you've got one party pointing fingers at the other while this legislation is happening, and it brings this all forward into the eyes of the people who are watching. That Now, I'm not going to say that's going to happen all the time. I'm just telling you that's what happens, uh, will happen more often with a split. So there has to be opposition to help the people stay informed. Now, the bad thing that happens is it doesn't really matter if there's a split 
between parties in the House and the Senate when you come across the 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 power grab uh, groping uh, consolidation of money power in government bipartisan legislation that goes through that stuff will still sneak through uh, without much hubbub. But that's why we have to stay attentive. That's why we have to we have to like we have to get away from letting the media dictate to us how we think about politics and what we think about politics, what we see about politics. We have to stay informed. Now, I'll admit, I, I, there's no way one person can stay informed. I am ob- I am, I'm obviously not completely and totally informed about everything that Congress is doing. Goodness gracious, they are out of control, right? So we need to work together. A lot of the stories that I give you on podcasts, through Facebook, through social media, are, are things that people have sent me. People send me every day, all day long. Hey, Chris Ann, have you seen this? Are you, are you seeing what's going on? And, and, I, and I get these kind of things. This is the case in point. We had, um, oh, come on, phone, turn on for me here. Uh, somebody sent me this. Uh, Dems introduce bills to eliminate the Electoral College, stop presidents from pardoning themselves. Now, this is an article on The Hill, okay? Now, that's, that's not unusual, okay? So we have to realize that this is not the first time the Electoral College has been under attack through proposed legislation, but we do now have an opportunity for political power to make that happen. This has been a this uh, this national popular vote thing is a huge push with the Democrats, especially the Socialist Democrats, because they do not understand the danger of a democracy. How many people in America do you know? My goodness, I'm just talking about everyday people, but uh, I'm talking as well as professors, those who are teaching us, politicians, those who are representing us, uh, those in the judiciary who are supposed to be protecting us, right? How many of these people actually believe that we are a democracy? Seriously. That is in an, ins- it, 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 oh, it, I can't even, I can't even voice how dangerous that actually is. A democracy is the end of liberty. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel that is, I think, I'm pretty sure it's less than 10 minutes that will teach you how to reach others with the truth about the real danger of a pure democracy. A pure democracy, the national popular vote, one vote, one, one person, one vote, one voice, one vote is what they call it, is not a good thing. Now, I've been trying since the new year, and this is something that we've been doing. We have we have the new Chris Ann Hall look up, chrisannhall.com look. I want to invite you to drop in and see the new look. It's something that I've been, this, this whole format for the Chris Ann Hall 
Dot-com page is something that I have been working toward for many years, and I love it. I think it's absolutely amazing. So chrisannhall.com, go check out the new look. And since we've had this this new format uh, for chrisannhall.com and as part of our New Year kind of refocus, reguidance, I've been trying to focus really strongly on education about not just simply educating you, but teaching you how to educate other people. You know, at Liberty First University, our logo is to inform, equip, and inspire. So what, what we do here in the podcasts is informing you. But what we teach is equipping you. Because we want you to take what we do here in the podcast along with the truth that comes with it and teach other people. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal here. Chris Ann Hall, love having you with us. Uh, don't forget about the gun event. You saw the little advert there on our break. Uh, don't forget about our Liberty Gear because this is part of our equipping you and inspiring you, giving you what you need to make this happen uh, on a personal level. Remember the challenge that I gave everybody for the new year. Go to your local coffee shop, right? Go to your local coffee shop, go to your your local mom and pop breakfast restaurant, wherever it is that you go and you meet and you sit with other people and schedule that. Seriously, like you would schedule your favorite TV show or you would schedule your hair appointment, schedule it. And then sit, use that opportunity to sit down and interact with people, to bring them the information that they need. I told you the story about the, the lady with the PhD in nutrition and her husband, who's a lawyer, and the two-hour conversation that we had about the Constitution and, and state sovereignty and the power of the people. It was just, I, I really believe that through just simply that reaction of her when we were there. I've planted some seeds there. She's never going to be able to think about some things the same way again. And that's what we need to do on a regular basis. And so that's why we, we, we educate, we inform, we equip, we inspire. Because remember, knowledge is not power until it is activated. So uh, we have this legislation, and I th- and I thought, like I said, this article is on the Hill. Dems introduce Dem introduces bill to eliminate electoral college and to stop presidents from pardoning themselves. And so the first thing that sort of pops in my mind <laughs> in my immediate reaction to this is, wait a minute, I'm not quite sure they understand that there really isn't any constitutional authority for the president to pardon himself. That is a political invention, uh, and, and it's, it's really an invention. So I guess maybe uh, we need legislation to stop 
the president from doing something that's not constitutionally authorized because we don't follow the Constitution anymore. We don't even bother to read it. And then we don't real we don't accept the fact that the president's power is limited and defined and he can't do more than is enumerated. Yes, the president has the power to pardon for federal offenses. But how you can then extend that to a power for the president to pardon himself, James Madison would call that forced construction, which in modern language would be simply an invention. You guys just made that crap up. And so... I don't know. So we have Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat from Tennessee, a vocal critic of President Trump, the Hill says, on Thursday introduced two bills to eliminate the Electoral College and to prevent presidents from pardoning themselves or their family members. Now, I guess, I mean, surely they could pardon their family members, according to the Constitution, if their family members are are convicted of federal crimes. But... uh, Like I said, the whole president pardoning themselves thing is a complete stretch. And so here's what we have. Um, Cohen has put forward this legislation uh, in favor of this national popular vote movement. And uh, most of the article in The Hill is all about the pardoning thing. But if you go to The Hill and you read that article... Uh, halfway down, Trump won 304 electoral votes compared to 227 for Clinton. And uh, Cohen says in a statement announcing this uh, constitutional amendment, which he is offering, in two presidential elections, this is Cohen now, since 2000, including the most recent one in which Hillary Clinton won 2.8 million, million more votes than her opponent. Now, we can debate on whether that's real or not, but this is, let's stick with, with the topic here. So, uh, 2.8 million more votes than her opponent. The winner of the popular vote did not win the election because of the distorting effect of the outdated electoral college. Cohen says, uh, the Hill says, Cohen said in his statement announcing the constitutional amendment, Americans expect and deserve the winner of the popular vote to win office. I don't know if they deserve it uh, because that is a punishment. That's not a reward. But when we come back from the break, I want us to see why this is dangerous and how we need to take our scheduled time to teach others about that. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris N. Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here. Remember, you can find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. And we are always liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Go to SoundCloud. 
Go to SoundCloud and follow the Chris Ann Hall Show. Share the Chris Ann Hall Show. Like the Chris Ann Hall Show there. It'll just take you a couple seconds to do it, and it really, really helps us out. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm not really, really that good at Instagram, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> so Cohen... This Democrat from Tennessee wants to end the Electoral College. And here is his rationalization. He says, quote, More than a century ago, we amended our Constitution to provide for the direct election of U.S. senators. It's past time to directly elect our president and vice president. You know... I don't even know how to address that level of ignorance. And the problem is, the reason I don't know how to address that level of ignorance is because it is so absolutely pervasive throughout America. We we simply have have lost grasp of, of how the the when he talks about more than a century ago we amended our constitution to provide for the direct election of US senators i think the majority of americans don't realize how damaging the 17th amendment actually was the 17th amendment is one of the most destructive amendments to the constitution that um that we've seen next to the 16th amendment this 17th Amendment restructured our constitutional republic. It took away the power of the people to control what happens in the federal the government through their states. The Senate was not, was not created to be a direct rep- representative of the people. The direct representative of the representation of the people comes through the House of Representatives. That's why we have a bifurcated house, because we have the people directly represented by the House of Representatives and then the states represented by the senators. That's why Senate established up with equal representation, two senators for every state. That's why the Constitution is driven. It can't work right. The Constitution cannot function properly. If senators do not understand why they're there and because we place them on direct elections where the people where they're elected by direct vote of the people, our senators no longer understand that they represent the ideologies and the principles and the the needs of the state. So when we go to make treaties, there is confusion. I I think maybe maybe this just just came to me, but maybe that's why the entire treaty process is broken, because the state the senators no longer understand that the reason the Senate has to approve a treaty is because the treaty must be um, equally enforceable and equally beneficial to all the states in the union. That's why Article 5 of the Constitution says that all senators shall have equal suffrage in the Senate. Why is that in Article 5, the clause where, where we actually have instruction on how to amend the Constitution? Well, it's in Article 5 because if you read the ratification debates, 
the states, the, the representatives from the states were really, really concerned that an amendment would be made to the Constitution to, to skew senatorial power to larger states or more powerful states and then disenfranchising in the Senate the smaller states. So they said, no, each senator shall have equal suffrage in the Senate. So you can't remove the voting power of the senators by constitutional amendment. But here's the thing. We did it anyway. In the 17th Amendment, by switching senators from uh, direct appointment from the states to popular vote, we did the exact same thing they were trying to prevent. The exact same thing. We put them on a popular vote, so now they no longer keep in mind what their, what their states need. And now it's all about what the political party wants, what the power, what, the, what those in power want. And now you don't have equal suffrage in the Senate for the states because the states, t in, in complete and total honesty, the states have absolutely no power in government at all. I mean, we've eliminated by error and bigotry and miseducation and uh, tribalism, we've eliminated the power of nullification in the minds of the people. Now, the power of nullification still exists, but the minds of the people don't know that. I mean, you have people who are, are very popular, even in the conservative movement, who are complete imbeciles when it comes to the principle and the application and the power of nullification. I mean, total idiots. And they get and, and there are people that are so misinformed about it that they get angry because they don't even want to accept the fact that the states have this power. I mean, seriously, calling people names. In, in denying the facts of how we actually were created to exist. Combine that with the fact that the senators no longer understand they actually represent the states. No longer understand that that's their job to protect the interests of the state as a whole. We've actually destroyed how the Constitution is supposed to work with the 17th Amendment. And now this Senator Cohen is using that to justify putting the president on the national popular vote scheme. Why? Because we've lost touch with the fact that the president does not represent the people of America. He is not a representative of the individual people. The purpose of the office of the president is to represent the states in foreign affairs. Now, there was lots of debate on how that was supposed to work, whether we should have a, a single president, a tribunal, a committee. My goodness, our friend Mercy Otis Warren was not happy with the establishment of a singular president in office. I mean, there were so many of them that realized that Equipping a single person with this kind of executive authority was simply begging for a king over time. And unfortunately, I can't disagree anymore because history has proven them right. We have established in the office of a president kingly power by consent. 
because of ignorance, because we don't know that what, we don't even know what Article 2 says, much less the purpose of the limited nature of Article 2. We switch over to a national popular vote. We will be a kingdom without hesitation, without, without actual recourse. Because now what happens is the president doesn't have to, uh, doesn't have, to have the vote of every state. If we eliminate the electoral college, the president only has to have the vote of the people in the most populated areas. That means, I don't know, conservatively speaking, three quarters of the population of America, uh, three quarters of the geographical areas in America will be completely unrepresented. Completely. You will have no say in the federal government whatsoever because your senators don't know that they're supposed to represent you. They think they're representatives of the federal government. Our House members, the House has not been reapportioned since 1920. Our, some House members have hundreds of thousands of people in their district. You're not represented by your House member. The president would not have to even hear anything that anybody had to say unless you lived in the most populated areas. To go along with the instructional training today on Electoral College, we're going to get into another story, too, uh, in our second section. Um, <laughs> obviously, JC is not here with us today, but he we have a story about Focahontas, and <laughs> that's what he calls her, and a bill that she's pushing forward that is mind-blowing. We're going to cover that in the section, second section today. But go with the, se- with the first section today with this Electoral College Plus, I have an article, I don't, you probably can't read that right here on YouTube, but called Disenfranchising the Voters, where I explain to you, I'm going to inform you and equip you with the knowledge and the truth and the history as to why we must maintain the Electoral College. Now, I'm not saying that the Electoral College doesn't need some kind of help, okay? The problem with the Electoral College is not the Electoral College itself. The problem with the functioning of the Electoral College is that it has been co-opted by the political parties. We have private corporate clubs that are dictating how our Electoral College votes. The Electoral College was not supposed to vote based upon the dictates of a private corporate club, whether that be the Republican private corporate club or the Democrat private corporate club. The Electoral College is supposed to vote based on the principles and the ideologies of the members of the state as chosen and indicated by their representatives in the state legislature. So we've got to, I mean, always going back to the source of this problem is this tribalism. Our tribalism and our submission to these private corporate political clubs is, is bringing the fall. Oh my goodness, and that's exactly, here we go. That's what George Washington warned us in his farewell address. But I have this article, Disenfranchising the Voters, that I'm going to be putting up um, to go along with today's uh, segment. So go to Facebook, go to Twitter. If you're not signed up to get our emails, you can go to the website. You can get signed up to get our emails. I'll deliver this stuff directly to your inbox and you will never miss anything. But when we come back after this break, we're going to get into 
this article and I'm going to highlight some some points to you so you can see how this will actually give this to you. Hey, it's it's two pages. Print it out. Hand it out to your friends and family members. Make this a point of discussion because this really, really, really is a big deal. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. This is our Saturday edition, and this is our last segment of the first hour. So for those of you who are listening on a terrestrial station who only carry the first hour, remember... Go to chrisannhall.com and then you can, you will, you'll be able to hear the rest of the show. Cause I can't, I guarantee you, you don't want to miss what Focahannis is up to today. <laughs> you simply do not want to miss this. And, uh, when I read this, what, what Focahannis is up to, I'm just, uh, I'm seriously, I, it's one of those things Patrick Henry said history is is the evident lamp of the future. Alexander Hamilton said history is the oracle of truth. And it's one of these moments where everything is starting to fall into place where I said, you know, please don't let this happen. And and we're going to see what they're pushing now. And the scary thing is the scary thing is that I really really think that what's going to happen is this is going to get a bipartisan push. So I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you. But I'm just like, we'll we'll t- take care of it after the break. But I want to make sure we have time to talk about this disenfranchising the voters article. So we now have states, not just simply this federal representative, right? But we have states that are trying to pass laws to eliminate the electoral college on the state level. We have. 12 states uh, who are not abolishing the Electoral College, but altering it. Now, Article 2, Section 2, Clauses 2 and 3, and the 12th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution require states to establish electors that will choose the president and vice president of the United States. We've got to have that understanding. The states are not eliminating their Electoral College. They are eliminating the voice of their citizens and eliminating the legitimacy and relevance of their state's involvement in political process. Disenfranchising voters of the entire state. That's what we talked about in the last segment. But what we need to understand, and this is part of the equipment, this is part of the uh, equipment that we're going to give you to help you with the information and inspire you. The process of the Electoral College was established for a specific purpose reason we have we because we failed for generations to teach an accurate application of the constitution we now have people like 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 cohen we now have people like cohen who will come out and tell you that the electoral college is flawed and outdated i just i just read to you that's exactly what he said he says um 
It's past time. More than a century ago, we amended the Constitution to provide for the direct election of U.S. senators. It's past time to directly uh, elect our president and vice president. And so um, it's just, he, yeah, that's right. He calls it here out, the outdated electoral college. Okay, The electoral college does not fit the we the people, one person, one vote style of government. And so that's the, the ideology here is to bring about the, the full-on complete political operation of socialism through democracy. It was established to ensure that the person elected to be president of the United States would accurately represent the union as a whole, not favoring certain states while ignoring others. The office of the president, as I said before, is not a representative of the people, but a representative of the union as a whole on behalf of the states. Together, the president and the Senate are there to make sure that each state has equal representation. And there is absolutely no, no authority delegated through the Constitution to the president to do, handle any individual affairs. So not only are we, in, we taking away the, the protections for the, the limited office of the president, but we're actually advocating for the president to have individual authority in the lives of the people and then removing their voice completely. You got to go to chrisannhall.com. You got to go to Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you got to go to LinkedIn. And uh, we will uh, have this article up for you. Share it. Publish it. Get it out there. Speak it. Teach it. Let's defeat this tyranny. And we will be right back after the break. Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the second part of the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal here, our Saturday edition. So glad to have you back with us, those of you whose terrestrial station carries the whole hour, those of you who are with us on YouTube, those of you who are with us on uh, SoundCloud. We are so happy to have you back with us for our second hour, chrisannhall.com. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your 
favorite personality. I have, um, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can look down at the, the ticker down there. You get to see the website. And don't forget about Liberty First University, your source of accurate original source constitutional training. Equip, um, I'm sorry, inst- uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris Ann, wake up. I don't, I need a cup of coffee or something, right? <laughs> Inform, equip, inspire. That's what we do at Liberty First University. I want to say a thank, personal thank you to all of our LFU students excited about what's coming for 2019. So don't forget, to go online and get the disenfranchising the voters article, print it out, hand it out, teach it, speak it. Let's take back the narrative. Now, as promised, I'm going to talk to you today uh, about Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren's new introduction of legislation. Now, she did this actually on on, uh, uh, December 18th, and I read about it in uh, the Foundation for Economic Education, also known as FEE, and it's fee.org. They're a great site to follow, really, really great people. Our friend, a friend of the Chris Ann Hall Show, friend of the Hall family, Robert Kerner, writes for FEE. Uh, We actually have uh, articles written by uh, by Robin on uh, chrisannhall.com. So visit Robin's uh, articles on chrisannhall.com and we can uh, get you acquainted with this this incredibly valuable source of information and education that comes from uh, Robin Kerner. So according to Fee, and this article is is written by, let me see who it's written by, I give good credit here, Molly Prince. Uh, Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren introduced legislation on December 18th that would establish, are you ready for this? How many of you are ready for this? Government run pharmaceutical manufacturer to effectively compete with the private market. Okay, so again, what we're, we don't even get past the first sentence before we already know what's wrong with this, right? She's going to establish, the legislation would establish government, a government-run pharmaceutical manufacturer Article, section, and clause, please. I need an article, I need a section, and I need a clause that authorizes the federal government to operate its own manufacturing plant. Seriously. It doesn't exist, just in case you didn't know. And then it says to effectively compete with the private market. This is fascism this is this is a soviet this is a government run business does anybody out there think that a government run business will actually compete with private businesses what we the problems that we have with our private corporations now is not because of a lack of government intervention It is because of too much government involvement, government grants, government-issued licenses, government-issued regulations, government-issued picking winners and losers. 
writing legislation in favor of big corporations while destroying the, the local businessmen. Why? Because these corporations have money they keep throwing at our congressmen for their favor. Send favor to the king so the king will be merciful to us. And in the meantime, our, our private market is destroyed. There, the federal government does not compete with private industry. The government business destroys private industry. Seriously, what private business owner can write laws, have a never-ending revenue stream, can have the power to uh, take your property without due process, he has the force of government through uh, enforcement, through agents and agencies and, and, and civil asset forfeiture and laws that will limit their ability, make it completely too expensive to run. All of those things the f- government is immune from. They don't have to do this. So they, the, the even, even the premise that a government-run pharmaceutical manufacturer would compete with a private business is completely absurd. There is no competition when your competition has unlimited revenue that is completely independent of the market or the sale or the product they're actually making. When your competitor creates the laws that regulates your industry and then requires, oh, seriously, can we look at this? The government requires private business to pay the government for the privilege of operating the private business. You will actually be paying to fund your competitor. I don't, I don't, I don't see how anybody could actually look at this. And, and, and even think that there is any semblance of reason involved in this. Do, will people actually back this? And, and, and the answer to that question for me is a very scary yes. A very, very scary yes. Go to my website, chrisannhall.com. Read the article that I wrote about the step two for the Affordable Care Act. I told you this was coming. This is coming. The Affordable Care Act was never about subsidizing health insurance. It was never about making affordable health care. It was about pushing the American people to a single-payer program. And you can't have a single-payer program if you don't have ownership of the pharmaceutical companies. See, the pharmaceutical companies... They don't lose with affordable care. They don't lose with single payer. They lose when the market is open and free. You know, do you know why pharmaceuticals are so expensive? Because the industry is subsidized. Because they can. Because they can charge you. Because they know somebody's, the government's going to come in and subsidize what you're paying. So it's not coming out of your pocket. You're not ticked off about the fact that you're paying too much for these drugs. You're not investigating the fact that it doesn't cost en- that mu- as much to make the drugs as they're trying to recoup. 
You don't realize that the price of these drugs don't actually uh, reflect the market demand for these drugs? And not only that, perhaps if we were actually involved in this prop, if it really was a free market process and not the government and our politicians picking the winners and the losers and establishing the market itself, my goodness, maybe we would we would actually invest in alternative medicines. We would actually invest in, in herbal uh, relief that we could actually grow and create and, and make on our own. We could help each other, like the Amish farmer making the salve out of chickweed. You know, I was a biochemist. I was a biochemist who worked for Monsanto. I understand Probably not as much as, you know, the PhD experts who live their lives. It's been a long time since I've been here, but I understand the fundamental principles behind this. The drugs that we use today, just think about this. The drugs that we use today, their chemical makeup is all based on things that happen in our uh, world naturally. Barbiturates opiates, cannabinoids. All, we've, all the pharmaceutical companies do is that they, they find out and they discover the chemical structure of these naturally occurring things. And then they make them synthetically so that they can reproduce them quicker, so that they can, they can control the concentration of the dosages. But these are all naturally occurring things that happen in our own world. Now, maybe if the pharmaceutical companies w weren't dictating policy through the regulations created by your representatives who's being paid by the pharmaceutical companies, we might have actual access to natural things that we could actually heal ourselves. See, there's a detriment to recreate synthesizing these, these things. That's why you have these addictions. Because these are synthesized. They are not natural. You can't make the natural chemical the way it exists in environment. You can't do it. The, the, mo the molecules, the molecular structure is bigger and bigger, and it's, your body doesn't digest it properly. It doesn't, as doesn't assimilate it properly. That's why you have these adverse effects. That's why you have this addiction, because it's not natural. It's not real. And if the pharmaceutical companies and your politicians were not involved in our medicine, we might actually know that. We might actually realize that. And this is not, this is not tinfoil hat stuff. This is biochemistry. And yet now, we have representatives who want to have government in charge of manufacturing our drugs, and they're going to try to tell you that you can, uh, that the federal government will merely be in competition with the private industry. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. 
We're talking about Elizabeth Warren's The Affordable Drug Manufacturing Act. Don't you just love that title? The Affordable Drug Manufacturing Act. That's how they're going to deceive the people into believing that this is a good idea. She's going to, to try to convince the people and, and deceive the people into believing that we're not going to eliminate private industry. We're just simply going to put, uh, create a government mar- uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing company that will compete with local business, with private business. No. Government cannot compete with private business. There is no competition. When your competition has unlimited coffers and has unlimited control over the consumer market, that is not competition. That is government control. And so the affordable, I'm reading from the, uh, an article on Foundation for Economic Education. It's called Fee, written by uh, Molly Prince. Remember, Elizabeth Warren presented this on December 18th. And it says here, the Affordable Drug Manufacturing Act seeks to address the increasing prices of prescription drugs by injecting competition into the marketplace. Consequently, lowering the costs of mass-produced generic drugs. Can we just stop there for a second? How many sentences have we done now? This is just sentence number two. I'm just speechless here. Seriously. By injecting competition into the marketplace? Our Congress has destroyed competition in the marketplace. Adding a government agency that creates drugs does not inject competition. It eliminates it. I mean, if you would ask me two weeks ago, you know, Chrisanne, how, how could the free market be any more destroyed than it already is? I would say, you know, I'm not quite sure because, look, we already have Congress controlled by the big corp lobbyists, big pharma being one of the biggest corp lobbyists that we have, dictating the rules and the regulations, eliminating smaller companies' opportunities and uh, abilities. Uh, you've got regulations, you've got fines, you've got searches and seizures, you've got completely financially unattainable goals for anybody who wants to do a startup to offer an alternative. Plus, if you want to help people in your own home, Uh, then you're going to get arrested and put in prison by the FDA and the USDA. So I'm really not quite sure, although I think that's probably a very good question. I'm really not quite sure how it could get any worse. And now I know. I know how it gets worse. And sometimes maybe I, I, I get... I get hopeful, right? And I, and, I, and I miss this third, fourth step. Because, you know, we've talked about this. JC and I have talked about this on the show through our study of, of Russian culture and Russian government and Russian history and about the, the creation of the Soviets and how government took over the private industry and created the Soviet Union Uh, gradually so that the people didn't even see it was happening and how I would not automatically just envision our federal government doing something like this. I don't know. I mean, I I obviously alluded to it in the article Step 2, but you got to read that article Step 2 because it'll take you from one 
uh, from the beginning to the end to show you how we get this kind of legislation, these government manufacturing. So government will not be injecting competition in the market. They will be destroying it. Will the cost of, of drugs go down? Probably. As a matter of fact, a government manufactured, uh, let's think about this. A government pharmaceutical manufacturer that is paid for by the tax dollars of the people becomes technically public property, which means the product that they manufacture will be public property. So will it drive the prices of, of, of drugs down? Um, no. It will funnel all drug manufacturing into the government manufacturing company because the government has everything paid for. They don't have to recoup the costs. They will simply pass out these drugs to the people, solidifying the whole single-payer system. So now you don't even have to pay for your doctors. You don't have to pay for your surgeries. You don't have to pay for your drugs because the government's paying your doctors. The government's paying for your hospitals, paying for your surgery. And now they're going to be manufacturing your drugs. So it would, you know, technically eliminate the cost of drugs to the people consuming them but now your taxes are going to have to go up because you're going to have to pay for it can't learn the easy way you'll learn the hard way chris and hall she's liberty's lobbyist Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal in our second hour talking about Elizabeth Warren's push for a single payer program for healthcare, care uh, solidified in the creation of a man, a federal pharmaceutical manufacturing company. I bet my my friend uh, Stephanie Scruggs is I mean, her head just completely exploding. Now, we can hope and pray that this piece of legislation being pushed, presented um, in December by Elizabeth Warren will fail. I just, I don't think it will. I mean, what we have to realize uh, from the beginning, and we've covered the history of this before, that it was the Republican Party who, who first brought forward the idea of national health care. The Republican Party birthed national health care. You wonder why nobody in the Republican Party who, uh, who is, is, independently, uh, is an independent thinker and a constitutionalist would say nobody, they, they don't oppose it. It's always repeal and replace. Why? Because that party is the inventor of national health care. Study the history. You, you can Google it or search engine it or whatever you do. Duck, duck, go, whatever. Just search it. The origin of national health care comes from leaders in the Republican Party. This, this is the final step to national health care. It is. Health care paid for by you, the taxpayer, so that other people don't have to pay. That's why the mandate had to work, right? Or, well, actually, the mandate was created to fail because the mandate made you comply, which fed money into the system to, to 
offer these services at no cost to other people. But now you have to understand this is going to get worse. Now, what it's going to do is completely eliminate your, my ability, your ability to treat ourselves outside of anything that is mandated by the government. Now, you would talk about death panels. Seriously. This is drugs. Look, I am a, uh, I am a disabled veteran by technical standards. I destroyed my left hip in, uh, during my military service. I had to have a total hip replacement, which is service-connected, which makes me a disabled veteran, which means all of my health care, according to my, my hip and the other service-connected disabilities that went along with that, are taken care of by the VA. This is your picture, America, of what national health care looks like. There are exceptions to every rule. So I know there are people who are out there that get good treatment, but the majority of us do not. We do not. You hear stories all the time about veterans dying, ODing. Let me just tell you this story. Now, I started having pain in my hip not too long ago. And uh, it's part of the reason why our traveling schedule has slowed down. You know, I used to do 265 classes in over 22 states every single year. And, and I just, my body couldn't handle it anymore. So we've slowed down some. So if those of you trying to schedule me, you, you realize that back then it was frustrating because we didn't, we couldn't fit anymore in. Now it's frustrating because we can't have anymore. Right? So I have been going back to the VA uh, first to find out if there's anything wrong with my hip replacement because that's a huge fear for me. I do not want to go through another hip replacement surgery, although at my age it's probably inevitable. So I go back to my orthopedic surgeon at the VA to, to get an x-ray to make sure everything looks okay, to make sure that there are, no, um, there are no mechanical problems happening that's causing this pain. Now, it, this is a little bit of an involved story, but you have to see how complicated this is. So I get to my physical ther I go I get to my orthopedic surgeon and he immediately says what are you doing here? I said, "Well, <laughs> I'm here because I have pain and and I we need to look at this." He says, "No, what are you doing here? You didn't come through the proper procedure. Technically, I can't treat you because you didn't start off at your primary care physician." I said, he says, you're not in my system. I said, how can I not be in your system? I have had treatment at the VA hospital for 18 years now for this hip. How can I not be in your system? He says, I'm no, no, I'm looking. You're not in the system. I said, well, who's my primary care provider? He says, you don't have one. You're not in the system. I said, how can I not be in the system? I've been here. I was just here last year. How can I not be in the system? You did surgery on me. The metal parts in my body are from you. How can I not be in your system? He says, I don't know. You got to start over again. I was like, are you kidding me? There is no way. He's like, look, you're here now. I'll give you your x-ray, but you got to go back through the system. And so we, we get the x-ray. He says, no, everything uh, mechanically looks fine. I think you're having some other problems that can be treated in a, in a less aggressive way. We don't need to do surgery. We don't need to do any kind of thing like that. He says, what you need is uh, physical therapy. What you need is massage. We can even do uh, acupuncture, which the VA covers and can help you. And then he says, 
I'd love to order that for you. But I can't figure out how to do it. He said, I've had clients. I've tried to figure out how to order massage therapy for. I'm seeing it. I'm look, look, here's the code right here on the list. He's pointing it. Here's the code right here on the list. I can't figure out how to order it. He says, so I can't order physical therapy. I can't fi- order this massage therapy as part of physical therapy for you because I can't figure out how to make it fit in the coding documents. He says, but here's what you need to do. You need to go to your primary care dev- provider because I'm pretty sure your primary care provider will will have a better uh, understanding of the system than I will, and, and she'll know how to do that. I said, okay. So I go back through the system. I have no primary care divider, provider him now, remember, because I'm not in the system. I've been treated for 18 years, but I'm not in the system. So then it takes me a week to get an appointment to, to get back in the system, and then I have to wait for that appointment. I get back in the system. I sit before my doctor. She says, why are you here? I said, this is why I'm here, because my orthopedic surgeon told me I had to come to you to get a script to get massage therapy. She says, I'm not getting you massage therapy. I said, what? M- my orthopedic surgeon wants me to have massage therapy. He told me to come see you, that you could do that. She said, well, it's not in the system. I said, well, can we call my orthopedic surgeon right now? Because he showed me where it was on the system. She said, it doesn't matter if it's in the system or not. I'm not giving it to you. And I said, why? She said, because we just had a meeting the other day, and they told us that we're not going to be prescribing any more of this passive treatment anymore. So if you're having pain, she, she looks at me in the eye and says, if you're having pain, I can give you drugs or you can have surgery. Those are your two options. But we've been instructed to not offer any more passive treatment. Everything has to be active. Do you understand what that means? That means... That drugs and surgery that requires drugs are now the only option for our veterans. If they have a doctor like mine who will follow the dictate of wherever that dictate is coming from and not follow actually what's available to our veterans. So your congressman can look you in the eye and say, well, your veterans have all of these options. No, they don't. Because Congress is creating options. They've codified these options. But your doctors and your providers and your hospitals are being told you can't use them. And I'm trying to explain to you this very personal situation and how this is working. Because this is the exact picture of America in in 20 years when people like Elizabeth Warren and uh, John McCain rest his soul and and the rest of the rhinos up there get their way Paul Ryan get their way this is what we're headed for your congressman doesn't go to the VA hospital Your congressman doesn't participate in the Affordable Care Act. And when you have the government, see, this whole idea that the government would uh, inject competition to the marketplace is ludicrous. They will dictate to you what treatment you cannot have. And when I came out of my hip surgery in 2001, total hip replacement, no physical, thera- no physical therapy for me. No, just sacks. And I mean plural, sacks. I mean paper grocery bags full of drugs. 
I have a sensitivity allergy to morphine. And they sent me home with bags of liquid morphine and morphine time-release pills. They sent me with a bottle, 300 Percocets with a written script in my hand to refill it. You want to know why our veterans are dying from drug overdoses and addictions? Because they hand out this crap like Pez. Why? Because they don't have to pay for it and they want to eliminate their patient quota. Is that harsh? I don't know what to tell you. I have personal experience with this. If I had taken these drugs, I would have died. And this is what national health care will do to America. You think the opioid crisis is a problem now? Well, the opioid crisis will be eliminated as a problem because the government won't be interested in looking at it anymore when they're the ones providing the, the opiates. They're doing it in the VA. That's all I'm trying to tell you. They're doing it in the VA, and that's how that works. She says, uh, the, uh, oh, I, I missed this part. I'm going ahead of myself. Sentence number three in this fee article. The bill would create the Office of Drug Manufacturing, which would be housed within the Department of Health and Human Services. You had to know there was going to be another bureaucracy. We're going to have a whole nother executive agency. The Department, of the Office of Drug Manufacturing. Can I just repeat myself? Article, section, clause, please. Can someone please, please, please tell me where they can even come up with authorization for something like this? And please, oh God, please do not tell me the Commerce Clause. Do not tell me the Commerce Clause. Because that's not what it's about. Don't tell me general welfare. Certainly, we are more intelligent than that. I don't know. Maybe not. Look, we got to get involved with this stuff. I don't care if it's Elizabeth Warren and she's a Democrat and you don't like her. This is going to get bipartisan. Welcome back to our final segment of today's Chris Ann Hall Saturday edition of the Daily Journal. We're talking about uh, Elizabeth Warren's proposed Office of Drug Manufacturing and the government-operated drug manufacturing companies that she wants to create in her new piece of legislation called the, oh, what was it called? The Affordable Drug Manufacturing Act. She says... The agency would increase competition. The agency would increase competition. Here's her statement. Quote, in a market, in market after market, competition is dying as a handful of giant companies spend millions to rig the rules, insulate themselves from accountability, and line their pockets at the expense of American families. Wait a minute, Elizabeth Warren. 
Um, giant companies spend millions to rig the rules. Where are they spending that millions? Because who's rigging the rules? That would be you, Elizabeth Warren. Your agencies are rigging the rules for the big private companies who are spending their money on you so you will rig the rules. Is she, I mean, is she like a black hole brain person? Did somebody feed this to her? Because I'm not really sure how some sentient being can say this statement out loud and not be in immediately internally conflicted by the the moronic assumptions that are based here competition is dying as a handful of giant companies spend millions to pay your congressmen to rig the rules so they can uh, avoid insulate themselves from accountability Pharmaceutical companies do not make rules. They do not dictate accountability. Your federal agencies make the rules. Your federal agencies dictate accountability. They're not insulating themselves. They're paying the government to be immune from these prosecutions and from these regulations. And now Elizabeth Warren is trying to profess to us that having a government agency who will also by the way, be immune from the regulations and the accountability will now make the system all better. She says the solution here is not to replace the markets, but to fix them. You messed it up by trying to fix it from the get-go. This is not a fix. This is a replacement. This is a destruction. That's the end of free market. That's the end of any kind of accountability in the marketplace. That is the end of limited government. That is the end of your control over your congressman. Any semblance of any hope, of any idea that you might have any control over your congressman. Gone. Absolutely, completely gone. And it's right here in writing. According to the bill, the Office of Drug Manufacturing would be tasked with producing drugs in cases where the market has been deemed to have failed. Who does the deeming? <laughs> is, how convenient is that? The government does the deeming that authorizes the manufacturing. Look, there are so many things wrong with this. The office can manufacture drugs if no company manufactures the drugs. One or two companies manufacture the drug and prices spike above medical inflation where there is a shortage. One or two companies manufacture a drug considered to be an essential medicine by the World Health Organization and the price is a barrier to patient access. Oh, great. Now we have infiltration of foreign law in our drug manufacturing office. Look, these are the kind of things that bring the greatest destructions under the guise of bringing us the greatest help. This is the epitome of why our government was established to be limited and defined. This, this is, you, you have to go read that article at chrisannhall.com, the second step of the Affordable Care Act. You have to go read that. And you have to know why. 
this is disastrous. You got to make sure this doesn't get any kind of bipartisan push. You got to make sure this doesn't slip through the cracks. We will be back with you guys on Monday. God bless.